Welcome to the California Accent Podcast, Andy. Welcome, Catherine. Oh, thanks. You can call me Kate. I or, sh- well, or, or I Katie. Didn't, I didn't know if this was a formal podcast or... You can call me Mrs. Langsdorf. <laughs> if I have to reply to everything you say on the podcast with calligraphy. For sure you do. Assume and that I'm speaking in calligraphy right now. And wearing a monocle. A lot of swoopy stuff going on in my letters. So much swoop. Um, should I refer to you as Andrew... Or Andy, or Mr. Langsdorf. That sounds more respectful. You can call me Baron Von Langsdorf. No, I don't want to do that. That sounds... You know, I've never been able to get anybody to call me that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just because I don't actually have any lands in the old country. Maybe you do. You just haven't uh, heard about them yet. You think that you, would happen? I don't know. I think I someone would like send you a letter. Somebody would have dropped the dime by now. Like, or hey, the, somebody would have dropped the Deutschmark. Yeah. Hey, Baron von Langsdorf, uh, are you going to like tend to these pastures <laughs> or is that on me? Bro, you need to mow your lawn. Yeah, right? Anyway, that's not Californian. That's German. The, the Neighborhood Association is pissed. <laughs> that reminds me of what I initially wanted us to talk about today, which was how our families came to be in California. And homeowners associations in the greater Los Angeles area. I didn't want to talk about that. I don't know about homeowners associations in the greater Los Angeles area. I think there aren't that many in... In, like, L.A. proper. That's like an Orange County thing, yeah? Yeah, I think that you have to have built the housing tract at a late enough date that people were really upset about different colored mailboxes. Okay. Which I don't think was an issue during things like World Wars. Yeah, it's like, I don't I don't give a fuck. We're at war. Paint your mailbox yeah. whatever goddamn color that you want. we have mail, much less mailboxes, is pretty great for us right now. I don't care that it's yellow. So maybe let's worry about fighting the Nazis. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, so I had wanted to talk about uh, uh, our various origin stories today. Yes, which for me does include some Nazis. It does include some Nazis. Um, but that's not really a California thing. No, no, it's not. <laughs> this is Huntington Beach, am I right? It's <laughs> uh, yeah, problematic. <laughs> or Anaheim. That's more of a clan thing. So good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a future episode. Is the various white supremacist pockets of uh, Orange County, California? It's going to be They're, a feel good holiday episode. I it's, think it's going to be a lot of pockets. And before we move into the subject matter of which we will be speaking, mm-hmm. I do have a couple of pieces of follow up as it pertains to episode one in and out hamburgers. Please. Okay, if I may. First, we talked a little bit about. The, the whole impetus of the episode was In-N-Out Corporation giving $33,000 to the California Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And we talked a little bit about how comes it that you can donate that much money, whereas we know that there are certain federal limits on contributions that individuals can make or businesses to candidates. Mm-hmm. I did some research. Mm-hmm. Turns out... Mm-hmm. That is about the maximum of what you can contribute to a political party committee. Oh, okay. $33,000 a year. Oh, okay. So it was like 33300 I think. Because it's never a round number in as much as it's like this many thousands. So I was like 2700 or mm-hmm. 1590 That I made that one up. I don't know if that's actually <laughs> a limit for anybody. But that's why it was that amount of money, and that's not illegal or a bundle or making the employees do anything. That's just, that's I just, can... I can write you a check, and I did. Right. I can write a check for this much money to this organization, and I'm spent. <laughs> I've done my good deed for the day. That and Pritten, the Nahum uh, verse on the bottom of the burger. Yes. I feel like it's the equivalent of being the person who does all of your Christmas shopping on Black Friday by getting everyone a box of Harry and David apple and pears. Oh, that's a good idea. That's very efficient. Yeah. That's the that's the political contribution equivalent. Okay. Just, here you go. Do what you will with it. 
you know, enjoy if, your apples and pears. If I ever have enough money that I can do all my Christmas shopping on Black Friday, um, everybody's going to get a wreath from L.L. Bean delivered to their house. It's a, oh, yeah, it's you do a, enjoy that L.L. Bean wreath. I do. I enjoy an L.L. Bean wreath. It's a quality wreath. Sure is. From Maine. Nothing to do with California, but neither is Harry and David, so... You know it's okay. I don't. I don't yeah, really they're from have. Oregon, right? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna say Oregon. A couple other pieces of follow up. Sure. Uh, my mom wanted me to make sure that everyone understood. We talked about her going to the mega church where they took the carpets out for the hippies. Yeah. She wanted to share that her father, mm-hmm. my grandfather, mm-hmm. was fairly certain that she was going to that church specifically for the purpose of scoring drugs. Oh, really? (laughs) Now, the context on this is my grandfather was a vice cop while my mom was growing up and and an undercover detective. So he was pretty sure everyone was in the process of trying to score drugs no matter what they were doing. Yeah. You know, it's one of those type of if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail (laughs) sort of scenarios. this isn't what I wanted to necessarily talk about, but uh, my dad was also a vice cop in Newport Beach, California, and I also experienced uh, a fair amount of that. Uh, and you you have heard uh, mm-hmm. a few times, uh, <laughs> starting when I was 10, the, the first like heart-to-heart conversation I remember my dad having with me was, Katie, when you grow up, whatever you do, don't become a prostitute. <laughs> now, I know it may look like a good time, but trust me, that's not the life for you. I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, if there was one thing that was true about 10-year-olds uh, in the early 90s, it was that they thought prostitution seemed like the best idea. I had just learned what sex even was from reading the Bible. Some of those... Uh, Praise s- the Lord. Some of those, you know, books in the back <laughs> with the unpronounceable names really got into yeah. it. Uh, but it was second book of Nahum. <laughs> Nahum two. <laughs> uh, it did not sound like a good time. It sounded like a thing that happened. Uh, like it was the thing that happened after your brother wanted to have his way with you, but before you got stoned to death. And it just didn't seem <laughs> like anything I wanted a part of. Yeah, it's been a while since I've read the Bible, but I feel like the number of incidents of rape were significantly higher than the number of incidents of consensual lovemaking. Right. So if that is the prism through which you look at the wonderful world of prostitution. Uh-huh. Like, no. I think why? I'll agree. It doesn't seem like why a, a good life. Why does that sound like a good time? And I remember thinking when, by the time I got to like, so this was like a fourth grade conversation, maybe fifth. By the time I got to sixth grade... I was thinking, like, have I am I supposed to be reaching an age soon as I become a woman, where things like prostitution will seem like a good idea? Is that are these feelings that have just not yet developed inside of me? Like, when I'm a woman, will I understand why I want? I don't think so. It's is there something wrong with me it's, that I don't want to be a prostitute? It's almost as if it's a bad idea to base your entire worldview <laughs> and morality on a patriarchal book written by ancient desert dwellers. Maybe. And I tried reading that shit from front to back as a as like a fourth grader. I'm like, well, time to read the Bible. Uh, let's start with Genesis. I don't. Okay, let's flip forward to the good stuff. Yeah. Oh, this is super rapey. I read almost the entire Bible. I skipped the... Uh, <laughs> you skipped the poetry? I skipped the poetry. But I did that in my 20s. Yeah. As like a little bit of an intellectual exercise, not as a thing to do when I finish my math homework in elementary school. Yeah. Oh, oh, you you read it because I got you a Bible for Christmas, didn't you? Yes. I'm sorry. I was like, well, all right, let's check this thing out. In the beginning. Oh, it's weird. (laughs) We we were, for our listeners at home, we were what what the Christians like to call unequally yoked. Which is to say I was a true believer and Andy was willing to put up with it. Yeah. And I got him Bibles <laughs> and tried taking him to church. Oh, that makes me feel bad. I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. It, it all worked out in the end. Yeah. Last piece of follow-up mm-hmm. regarding in and out And this was not something that I uh, directly got wrong, but indirectly got wrong. Mm-hmm. A couple of times 
I tried to reference the Big Lebowski <laughs> and Donnie saying those are good burgers. And mm-hmm. instead I said those are tasty burgers, which I oh. think I got my wires crossed. I made a Pulp Fiction reference when I should have been making a Big Lebowski mm. reference. It has been bothering me all week. Really? Well, yeah. I'm glad you fixed it. I'm glad to have gotten this off my chest. And that will close up the mailbag, as it were, <laughs> on the in and out episode. Well, that's certainly good. Um, so what's on your mind today? Well, I, one of the things that's on my mind is that uh, I know that you are a little bit irritated with me for switching the subject up about five minutes before we only, started. Only uh, for the sake of humor. Oh, sure, sure. So here's here's the, the process that I went through vis-a-vis the in and out episode which i took the lead on right today is your episode and we're going to mm-hmm. go back and forth like this it's until one of day. us uh is too busy or gets bored or doesn't have a good idea and then we'll figure it out from there <laughs> so i had put together i did some research i had links i had an outline that i provided and i gave you a couple days to look at it and the opportunity to make any additions <laughs> or notes that you wanted Submit to my feedback mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And today, uh-huh. right as we were getting ready to record, you're like, did you talk to your mom about how her family got to California? I said, no. And you said, okay, well, then we'll do this episode instead. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, I think that seems reasonable. Like, so a couple of days before, I'm like, so I want to do our, our California origin story. So here here's the homework I need from you. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's and like, I, that's I like didn't do that. Independent study scenario. So now instead, uh-huh. we're going to do something that neither of us is prepared for. Well, I was trying to think of something that uh, we don't need to interview anybody about, which is our own fourth grade experiences with California state history. Yeah. You might need to dig into parts of your brain that you haven't gotten into in a little bit, but you shouldn't have to look anything up. Plen- plenty of things from that time in my life have been uh, walled off like the guy in that Poe story, but <laughs> sure, let's go ahead and get a pickaxe and get in there well sure I, I already opened my fourth grade experience up with uh don't ever become a prostitute so that's still good advice though I think. <laughs> it's really good advice the audience wasn't the best but the advice the was advice solid. was solid right yeah. and, I, and to this very day i have not ever become a prostitute so i guess it worked yeah so that that particular mini version of the scared street program mm-hmm. still paying dividends to this very day and and with the with no the, needle drugs, no prostitution, right? No prostitution to pay for your needle drugs, right? Because then the next heart to heart we had, as you also know, was when I was like fifteen. My dad sat me down. He's like, Katie, any of your friends at school ever talk about uh, chasing the dragon? <laughs> I'm like, what? What is what is that? You know, <laughs> heroin? <laughs> like, uh, no, <laughs> because. it's not 1974 it's not a steely dan b-side no one's talking about g gordon liddy's sweet mustache there's just there's just a lot about Mm -hmm. talks about chasing the dragon that are not happening here in the year of our lord 1996 the first it's of interest that you and your dad scheduled heart-to-heart conversations twice a decade whether you needed them or not i think that's really great i think it's just once a decade right no you're it right every five oh, years, every five years. you're right although you may not have had one since then so it averages out to much oh. less than one, one a decade we did but it was pretty dark so we won't get into it here fair, fair play <laughs> maybe by episode four and then the other thing is that if your father as the vice cop was doing his ongoing training and development, he would have known to ask you if any of your friends talked about dancing with Mr. Brownstone. Oh, really? Yeah, because that would have been a more recent. I've never heard that either. I didn't hang out with the kids who were doing it. Well, no, that's not true. I did hang out with the kids who were doing heroin, but they didn't think that I'd approve, so they didn't tell me about it. Which is really the the punchline of the whole story. Like, yes, my friends were doing heroin, but they didn't tell me my dad was a cop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And they also knew that I took that whole Bible reading thing really seriously. I was just like, oh, I wanted to tell you, but I didn't think you'd like it. So yeah, I thought you were going like, to preach to me about it or something. Yeah. And... As it turned out, my my bestie, the the gal I went to went to Sadie Hawkins with, 
not as a gay thing, even though it turned out we were both kind of gay, but we were just going, quote unquote, as friends. Uh, uh, She was dealing heroin to my classmates, Mm -hmm. um, but she didn't want to tell me on account of I might be disappointed. Uh, Yeah, that seems like a pretty accurate read of the room. It was a super accurate read of the room. Uh, I feel like even now that you've uh, been liberalized and secularized, you probably still don't approve of people selling heroin to, 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 to high school kids. High school kids? No. No, not 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 so much. No. But, you know, in in the context, I get it. You know, I'm your, not I'm your not reaction be... would probably be different now, though. Yeah. It'd be like, oh, More of a, what can I do to help versus Ooh, I'm going to go tell <laughs> you where's the where's the vice principal who we're all pretty sure is molesting young boys. Yeah. Well, or like, well, I think what she thought would be the reaction is just like, oh, man, I'm just so deeply disappointed in you. Like, I don't even know if I can, like, trust you as a friend anymore. Not but that would have been the reaction. It wouldn't have been necessarily that like I'm telling, but like, oh man, I just I thought you were better than that. Mm. I'm really I'm like really judge shaming you right you're, now. You're not mad. You're just disappointed. I'm just disappointed. Um, but yeah, now it would be like, oh what, <laughs> honey, what is happening that you need to be like both selling heroin and buying heroin when you're 15? Let's talk about the. Let's talk about the underpinnings of this situation because that sounds yeah, messed a, up. There's an economic issue there. <laughs> Look, I'm only selling it so I can buy more. Yeah, yeah. Like you're not making any money off of it. This something is. Let's let's go. Let's go find a social worker. Let's go. You're not making any money off of this, which makes it the equivalent of an Etsy store, but yeah. for heroin. Yeah, but it's not like your passion project. You're mm. not doing. You're not doing crochet snarky sayings into Afghans. I will buy those if you make one. Anyway, um, fourth grade, land of contrast. Yes, I remember it like it was only 25 years one ago. One million years ago. Um, so, oh, wait, it was more than 25 years oh, ago. Oh, honey. Well, good. I'm glad it's fresh in, your, fresh in your memory. I tried to do some quick back of the envelope math in my head, and I undershot it, which I think officially means I am a middle-aged man. No, was it? More than 25 years ago? Well, I would have been 10. Yeah, that sounds true. And I am now 41. Okay, so carry so the one five 30, years ago. 31 years ago. Ooh. I'm not going to do that math for myself. I'm younger than you, though, yeah, you just and subtract. more glamorous. I'm, okay, I'm not going to No, know, it's fine. Uh, I'm uh, just... Lady never asks. Yeah. And... So I was here in the great state of California for for fourth grade. I think mm-hmm. we touched on this a, a little bit last uh, last episode. That's that's state history year. Yes, they. If I recall, and this is probably still true, uh, it was a a focus on California history because once you get beyond fourth grade, you need to learn all of the other histories. You don't get history every year. Oh, yeah, because it's like social studies or like geography mm-hmm, or... Mm-hmm. Once you some... are into your... Once you're out of your primary education and you get into secondary education, you get, if I recall, one year of history as a junior high schooler and two years in high school... Oh, I, I like you don't necessarily have history every year as a high oh. school student. Well, I went to I went to the religious school, but I had world history in seventh grade and American mm-hmm. history in eighth grade. Then uh, uh, geography, then more world history, then more American history, and then like Bible. <laughs> if so, this is beyond fourth grade. But if I recall correctly, when I was in middle school slash junior high school. The setup that they were doing at the time was that you would have these block classes. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like halfway, like having one teacher, like you do in elementary school, and halfway, like having different periods where you go from class to class, like you do in high school. Okay. It was like an easing. All right, all right. That they did. And what I recall then is that it was in sixth grade a three period block so like half the day and that was your english and your social studies and your history and it was just like kind of all bleh together okay and then seventh grade was down to two but it was english and history okay then i changed school districts in eighth grade and it was 
like you'd expect. And there Just was, like go go to your classes. Right. And in eighth grade, I had American history. Then in ninth grade, world history. Mm-hmm. And junior year, American history again. Okay. But it never focused on but California. You're never going to. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we, we kind of, I think, incidentally got some California stuff in American history. And maybe we just spent an extra day on it because, like, that's where we are. Look. Yeah. I we're can playing, see my house. We're playing the hits. Yeah, because you're when you do American history, you're going to eventually get to a point like, and then there was a gold rush. Or, yeah. And then there was a concern that the Japanese were going to bomb Los Angeles. Yeah. So there's always little slices little, of it. But little bits. But the only time you get a a focused educational experience on California is fourth grade. So with your focused educational experience, um, did you get beyond uh, a gold rush? Or was it because I remember fourth grade as being the gold rush year, but I also had a lot of different educational structures (laughs) uh, (laughs) changing places in fourth grade. I have two specific recollections from my fourth grade educational experience vis-a-vis California history. One was we read Island of the Blue Dolphins. Okay. Which, if you are not familiar with that, is a book about a Native American girl from this uh, area, Southern California, who lives on one of the Channel Islands by herself because her entire family slash tribe slash support group, whatever it was, I'm, I haven't read it since fourth grade, they all left her there one day. It was like Home Alone, <laughs> but with an island. Okay. And so the the whole gimmick is, it, it's like basically they went from one channel island to the other or back to the mainland and just left her there. Oh, okay. Uh, and then she lives there by herself for, with, with dolphins, for I years. There were dolphins in the channel, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I think it ends with her being found by people that, that show up and like, hey, what hey. are you doing here? And that was based on a true story, yeah? That's my understanding. Okay. But um, the problem with that story then, and not having read it recently, is I don't know what the time frame is during which that takes place. Um, I do remember reading something on the Teaching American History blog from the Smithsonian about that book, which I've never read the book, but I have, of course, read the uh, literary criticism of it. Of course. Uh, uh, it's, it's what, uh, it's where I first heard the term doubly historical. So looking at it as a, as a text where it's like a period piece. <laughs> you know those histories that are like double histories? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, takes place in whatever old timey whenevers, but it was written in the sixties. Is that true? That, that like sounds right. I want to say sometime. early sixties. So it's, so, so they've before, learned, uh, people got woke. In any way. Yeah. So it's a period piece about another, like a, about a previous period. Yeah. It was written during the beginning of Mad Men, not the end of Mad Men. Yeah. So there, there are all kinds of things that I guess it's very, it's a very rich text if you were to teach it now. Because you'd be like, oh, this is, this is what those fuckers thought in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And also, this is what those fuckers in the 60s thought about the 1860s or whenever it was. Yeah, so that's the part I'm having trouble nailing down. I know when the book was written, but I don't know when the events of the book take place. Because it, it to me, not having remembered key plot points the way that it's told, it could have been anywhere from the beginning of time, or at least the beginning of, of human time, all the way up to, say, 1895. Okay. As a for instance. During... The 19th century is all that Wikipedia is telling me. Published in 1960, nailed it there, got a Newbery Medal, yeah. San Nicholas Island, left alone for 18 years. Oh, she was a, a Nicoleño Native American. So that's that was kind of the part that that uh, I wanted to get into. Is like I felt like I didn't hear about who the Native people were in California until like two years ago when we moved back and I looked it up and it it was in this area. It was, it was the Tongva. Yes. That, that sentiment is definitely true. We learned, I learned about the missions. I didn't know who, 
we the Californians were missionizing against. Could have been anyone. Probably Could, just the cows. Just just like like Indians. Uh, and I don't know if that's still, that can't still be true, right? Hello, like, cows, have you heard the good word? <laughs> come into my, come into San Juan Capistrano with the, with the swallows and cows and swallows. Have you heard about Jesus? Uh, yeah, I felt like I was missing a lot of that, but also I missed a lot of just fourth grade generally. Uh, I, I was there for, uh, most of fourth grade, you know, save for chicken pox or whatever it was yeah yeah that, i think that was the year i had chicken pox me too so you know I, that might just have been when you got chicken pox maybe i got it from my brother though who was in first grade so oh yeah that that's not when he got chicken pox that blows my hypothesis out of the I water know, actually yeah so well, and then my brother got chicken pox when he was in first grade well, because because he got it from you he got it from me mm. or kindergarten whichever, whichever yeah that was Fourth grade was weird. So I, when I had chicken pox, I also spent a lot of time just like being sick on the couch. Cause I had it for like six weeks or I had it for a hell's a long time. Um, but I spent a lot of time doing like cut and paste with National Geographic magazines. So I think I learned all kinds of things. I also remember watching Jumpin' Jack Flash on TV and being really excited. Like it was must-see TV for me. Cause that was the Whoopi Goldberg movie? The Whoopi Goldberg movie. I don't remember what it was about it's, at all. I don't think I followed it while I it was happening. I want to say it's like a heist movie, but I could be wrong about that. It, it seemed like it was. So I wanted to take this opportunity to point out, I brought up the map here, that uh, San Nicolas Island is the most remote of okay. the Channel Islands. So it's like you go... Because there's the Channel Islands National Park Islands that are that are up near, uh, you know, they're on off the Ventura coast. Yeah, and with with those national parks, like you can't really go visit those, right? You got to go in a boat and with a guide and mm, on a kayak. Yes, and... you can get to the national park, but if you're driving up the 101, there's actually a sign for the visitor center. The visitor center is not on the island. It is right? not. Okay. It is just down by the beach, I think. Okay. And they say, well, if you start swimming, you can get there. By nightfall, yeah, that sort of thing. I think I read a thing in Sunset Magazine a couple of years ago about, so you want to visit the Channel Islands Actual National Park. Yeah, like you have All to go right, on dumb, the dumb. third Saturday during springtime or something like that. Yeah, and then you still might die. Like, I well, I mean, know. that's true in most national well, parks. I guess, yeah, <laughs> don't jump in the gorge. Yeah, don't, don't fall down the side of the ravine. Don't poke the bear. <laughs> don't eat that thing. Don't crash into the rocks. Yeah. Or... Uh, like they used to do at the Volcano National Park whenever there was a fresh lava flow that had uh, recently crusted over. They'd send a guy out in the morning with a big PVC pipe and he'd poke at the ground. And if it didn't break through, he'd set up cones to let you know where to walk. <laughs> Don't go inside the cones. Don't go outside the cones. Oh, oh okay. Stay inside the cones because outside the cones there's... Eh. Lava flow? Yeah, I mean, there'd just be like a little bubbling thing of lava right there. And they just kind of take... Uh, Take the view that if you're going to stick your hand or foot into that thing, then... You just deserve to not have a hand or foot anymore. Yeah, you, you get what you're going to get. Woo! I, I don't volcanoes. know if the same rules apply at the Channel Islands National Park, which do not have volcanic activity. But the fucking ocean, it's going to get yeah. you every time. Uh, and there's wildlife and whatnot. Mm. So anyway, San Nicolas, uh, if you look out from the Orange County coast, you can, on a clear day, see uh, Catalina Island. Mm -hmm. And that is about... I want to say it's 27 miles off the coast. That that much? All right. Yeah. And then if you, it's more than, if you continue to go straight out west, mm -hmm. more than twice that distance is uh, San Nicolas. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't want to be stranded there. I don't want to be stranded even on Catalina. So just by by my eyeball of it, I want to say San Nicolas is probably about 70 miles off the coast. So you can understand where a teenage girl mm -hmm. left alone on San Nicolas Island is kind of like, well, I guess I live here now. What else is she <laughs> going to do? what else? Yeah. This was before cell service was really good out there. Yeah. We read Julie of the Wolves, which was about an Inuit gal up in the Alaska-ish area. I think Alaska proper. But I don't, it didn't really illuminate my California history. Yeah, that doesn't seem related to anything Californian. No, I think it was, well, it was sixth grade. So that oh, was, well, that was like. There you go. That's the Alaska history. That's right Alaska history. Um, what I do remember from, from all the California learnings, 
uh, was a lot of trips to Knott's Berry Farm. Like, because that's, I mean, I think that that one, you know, official field trip where you go and you learn how to pan for gold. But as far as I could tell, California history was missions and panning for gold. Yeah. um, Vis-a-vis the Knott's Berry Farm field trip, because you've referred to this with me in the past, I don't recall doing that as a school field trip. That's... But it might be the difference between going to school in Huntington Beach versus going to school in Anaheim. Oh, I bet you're right. Because I, I thought it was just like canon for kids from vaguely around here. Because when I was in D.C., all all of my California expats were like, oh, shit, Knott's Berry Farm fourth grade field trips. But they were from like Hacienda Heights. Now that I think about it, they were all like... Uh, Right, is Hacienda Heights the one I'm thinking of? I mean, that is a place that's is near it like there, North, if I recall. North yeah. Orange County. Um, which is not to say that I had never been to Knott's Berry Farm. Right, but and you had didn't not do... ever been to Knott's Berry Farm, but it wasn't a school sanctioned activity. Usually the way you end up at Knott's Berry Farm is you have the can of soda uh-huh. with the five dollar ticket if you go after four o'clock thing, and you actually would take the empty can of soda You're to like, the ticket. Here's booth. my Pepsi. Let which me I have to imagine that being the, the ticket taker. <laughs> just like a Knott's bunch Berry of farm. bees yeah, right around it, the ticket booth it can't have been that fun of a job anyway but then you have to have this giant bag that you're putting all these cans in while people <laughs> come right. up and, oh, you couldn't rinse this i want to get in all for right. basically free okay so yes you would go to knott's berry farm and it was vaguely historical in sections <laughs> but only the the slightest veneer of such i think well so okay so this is more of an episode i guess for my dc expat california friends because we we spent some time talking about the frustration of those field trips where it was like but not but real knott's berry farm is just right over there like oh yeah but you're you're at educational knott's berry farm yes there is a section that is much more educational than the rest of it that is definitely true you're here with with rod the knott's berry farm education programs coordinator yeah he's here to teach you about california history well knott's berry farm always had kind of a strange historical mishmash anyway because if i recall correctly across Across the street from the main entrance of Knott's Berry Farm, there's like a park area. Yeah. Where there is a, or at least there was, I think there's a water park there now, but there was a an exact replica of Independence Hall where uh-huh. the Declaration of Independence was signed. And what does that have to do with anything that's going on here? Oh, well, I'll tell you. Uh, 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 <laughs> We're one of the independent states now, so we pay homage. <laughs> um, okay, so first, I, I do think that faux independence hall uh did exist in concurrently with the water park never been to the water park i remember feeling like i was missing out on the water park when i had to go to goddamn independence hall on california history day and this isn't even california what the fuck um we spent a lot of time in it it just seemed like every time there was anything educational yeah and like come look at this kids if i further recall there wasn't really anything to do in there you just walked inside it was a big empty room yep that was the same dimensions as the room where they had desks and people arguing about what to put in the Declaration of Independence back in uh, 1776. That might have been interesting, but certainly this is the size of the building and it was also made out of wood. Not so much. Yeah, and I, if I recall, there was a big, um, uh, 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 like a big photocopy of the Declaration of Independence. And so like that was the like, okay, everybody get in line and read it. Like, but this is like the same the, one from my book, right? The whole yep. thing? Cause... Yep. Just everybody line up. Okay. And then uh, counterclockwise circle. Look at all the chairs. And all right. And then when you're done, line up single file out on the lawn out front. Mm-hmm. And then in 30 minutes, after everybody has a chance to read the declaration, maybe we'll go have lunch or pan for gold or some shit. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. And so then back across the street not actually going into knott's berry farm you don't need the can and your five dollars there was it's like a little shopping center area that Mm -hmm. looked kind of like spanish mission Uh style old timey fun timey it had the place where you could pan for gold oh i thought that that was inside i thought you had to get your ticket first i don't think so i mean you have to pay to do it because right he's gonna give away gold right katie obviously there was a pretend volcano 
I do not. Oh, do I remember Rotarian? And no, there was Mrs. Knott's Chicken Restaurant. Yeah. Which was actually the original thing at Knott's Berry Farm that wasn't the farm. Actually, a farm for berries. Yeah. My cousin Mary had her, her birthday at Mrs. Knott's Chicken House every year, big birthday dinner. It's a great place to go for events. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll recall that we once did a, a oh. dinner there with our, our friends from the Fantasmic Night Driver crew uh, back when we worked at Disney. Oh, did we also do Jungle Cruise? One of our first dates, if I recall, I do recall, was because we had the sticker for a while, October 8th of 2011. Mm, and it was like... 2001. No, 2001. Sorry. Doop. Um, no, we've been together for a longer time than that. Uh it was like the the spooktacular haunt fest. Yes, with, it was not Scary Farm. That's what it's called. And we, it was a, a group outing where somebody, and this, this was before you could just go and buy your tickets on the internet and stuff. So somebody had coordinated this. Yeah. And, you know, you give <laughs> Through them. Through the group sales office. Yeah, you give them your $30, whatever it was, and it got you into Not Scary Farm. But before you went in, you could go and get dinner. We got like barbecue. It, yeah, it wasn't. A picnic it area. It wasn't in Mrs. Knott's. It was, it was like. Yeah, it was like a picnic area. That's, yeah, which I don't sense. remember ever seeing. I never saw it before. I never saw it again. <laughs> it may have existed in an alternate universe. The, the ghosts rolled it out. Yeah. But we did see Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. We did. And that was a notable trip because it was less than a month after the September 11th terrorist attacks. But there was no. So it was there. super empty. It was great. Yeah, I'm not I saying mean, that it, the September 11th terrorist <laughs> attacks were great, but if you were the sort of person who wanted to fly across country or go to a popular place uh-huh. during those times, you didn't have to pay that much and you had a lot of elbow room. Yeah. Was it? Oh, man, this now we're getting into uh, modern American history. Did we go the afternoon and evening of the day that we had started? The, the U.S. had started oh, attacks on Afghanistan. Right. Yes, that was when the the war effort began. That I was think. the so we went the first day of the war effort, and it was just us and our jungle cruise friends and a bunch of people paid to be zombies. Yeah, to jump out at us and Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Yes, because Elvira is a professional. She is not canceling her show just <laughs> because know, we're invading Afghanistan. Like, I've been, look, listen, listen, brother. I've seen an invasion or two in my time. Yeah. I've lived through those. I'm going to live through this. I'm going to live through the next one. I will fucking bury you. On the on the day we invaded Grenada, I was here. On the day <laughs> the last helicopter took off from the embassy in Ho Chi Minh City, I was there. Mm-hmm. Saigon, it wasn't Ho Chi Minh City. I don't, yeah. Mm-hmm. On so. D-Day, Elvira <laughs> performed. Yeah, probably. Gettysburg. She was there. <laughs> Gettysburg Address, also there, right in between Edmund Burke, right, and Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. She, she was the, what, is, what do you York call it? Yorktown and Concord. <laughs> Elvira performed. Uh-huh. She's a vampire, so. <laughs> so it's fine. Is she a vampire? I always kind of assumed, but I think that that's left up to the imagination. I think so, yeah. I think she's still performing. There was something in my inbox this morning that I didn't click on that was from LA Magazine or Time Out LA or one of those. It was I, like I believe Elvira has finally hung them up. Has she? Which is to say she has hung up her black wig and stilettos. Okay, so as we're talking about this, why aren't we at Not Scary Farm right now? Is it because there are 500,000 billion people there? And, yes. And I also, think, it's it's I actually think, awful. I think now that uh, we've been invading Afghanistan for 18 years, it's no longer <laughs> top of mind for people. Like, well, I shouldn't go out now. Cause, because of the invasion. Yeah. You know, the temperature of the water, everyone's gotten used to it. Yeah. And so now they're going to Not Scary Farm. And, you know, crowds don't seem like as good of an idea yeah. now that I'm an older man. I have this vague recollection of right when we were coming through the gates, so post-barbecue, about to go get our spook on, like three helicopters going over the park and everybody just kind of like freezing and like looking up and being like, is it happening? Is this it? Do we all die? Oh, no, it's just helicopters. It's just helicopters. This is not, this is not how it ends. It's kind of a weird day. (laughs) 
Turns out it was just the Channel 5 newscopter. Yeah, they're like, oh, look at these idiots at Knott's Berry Farm on this, the day that we invaded Afghanistan. Can, can you believe how crass it is for them to get barbecue and go to a spook house? Yeah, they're like, well, we already work at a theme park. And we so already bought the tickets. We already bought the tickets. So, like, if we're going to die in a terrorist attack at a theme park, it might as well be because we went out and had some fun for once in our goddamn lives. Instead of just, like, died on the clock. Yeah, because you don't get paid extra for that. No, this is not what I wanted to talk about, but I think it's worth mentioning. My theory about how the September 11th attacks broke the brains of everyone we worked on the Jungle Cruise with who hadn't already like become sort of a, a, a fully developed adult by the time they hit. This is I'm trying to I'm this is I might get a master's in, in in this. This might be my thesis. I'm still working it out. I got to do some research. You already have a master's degree though. How many master's degrees oh. do you want to have? I want a PhD in jungle cruisiology. Uh I think that there is something about uh, about uh being at that like vulnerable mental and developmental stage. Having shit get bombed, having to go to work the next day and like put on the happy, like, hi, everybody, don't worry, everything is safe right here. We're all just safe and happy and, and telling jokes. Oh my God, is that a hell? No, it's fine. It's fine. That's just the news helicopter. It's fine. Everybody keep coming. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Look, uh, a wax elephant. A wax elephant. It's great. It's great. I'm having a good time. You're having a good time. But just, just so I don't have to issue more retractions at the beginning of next episode, the elephant is not made of wax. <laughs> it is made of it's, animatrons. It's, it's animatronic. It has a robot parts inside and a latex skin. <laughs> just like the first generation synths in Fallout. <laughs> I don't know who amongst our jungle brethren will end up listening to this. I know, I think some of them. I'm sure whoever does will issue uh, an angry Twitter message or I two. I hope so. But I, but I <laughs> Listen, do. you jerks, my uncle also died during that time, and that was why I was going through some stuff. Yeah, well, they're like, I'm not even going to say a lot of them, but like a lot of us did, didn't seem like we then hit the de- developmental good. milestones. When you didn't separate yourself out from it, now it seems like you're, you're, We're you're with, you're in with it, it together. Yeah. Yeah, so hey, uh, uh, skippers. Uh, since we all, we all are still pretty pretty friendly with each other, uh, which which is also kind of weird because it's been like twenty years. Let Katie know whether her theory about your mental yeah, problems is, is your brain is, broken the way I think it might be. Is her theory valid? Yeah, <laughs> is it Arrested Development based on the September 11th attacks happening while we all had to go to work at a magical pretend place? I feel like my Arrested Development is based on the canceling of Arrested Development the first time. The first time? Yeah, because the reboot wasn't as good. Yeah, well, we didn't start watching it, though, in earnest until we it had already been canceled and we started getting the discs on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So. I don't think that makes my oh, okay. my self-diagnosis any less valid. Fair play. Um, it was that I knew it existed and it got canceled and that really bummed me out. Yeah. So that's why I don't know how to balance a checkbook. <laughs> that's fair. So you didn't go to fourth grade Knott's Berry Farm. Not that I recall. It, it could have happened, but again, trying to separate, separate out a leisure trip to Knott's Berry Farm with a school-based trip to Knott's Berry Farm is going to be a little bit challenging for me at this stage. Uh, I don't feel like I've gone to Knott's Berry Farm more than 10 times in my life. Yeah. You, but I'm, they all bleed together. I've got, I'm going to theorize that you must not have gone on a field trip because you would remember, I think, the the pain of walking through the pathway to go to the next uh, California history diorama and walking past all the cool rides like no sorry children we're not going on that no, today you can't go buy on the a log full price flume ride. ticket well you could go on the log flume ride because it was a california log mining scenario okay can you go down the list then of the suitable attractions for a california history trip to knott's berry farm versus sure. the non-suitable ones absolutely for instance is Montezuma's Revenge considered something that you can go on for California history because it is named after an emperor of the Aztecs and we used to be part of Mexico? Um, absolutely not. That is, uh, we're only talking about good Christian California. Uh, mm. 
And so you'd go in. Well, Mexico is largely Catholic now, so. Yeah, but this was before that, so. Oh, okay. Sorry, brother. Um, also, Az- Aztecs were not in California, right? That was they were. Well, no, lower, but, but, but it yeah. was all okay. it was all Mexico. Yeah, but not all Aztec. So boom. Um, so Hashtag yeah. not all Aztecs. Yes. <laughs> um. So you you'd, you'd go you'd go to Independence Hall for fourteen hours. Um, well, sure. That, I mean, that's where most of the fun at Knott's Berry Farm was. Yeah. So it makes sense that you'd spend most of your time there. You'd go through, I think it was called the Calico Ghost Town, which was a replica of like an actual ghost town. Mm-hmm. And you would mm-hmm. talk to some like pre-animatronic mannequin robots. Oh, yes. That sounds familiar. And they'd be like, hello, boy with brown hair and brown eyes. Yes. Like, they, oh my God, he's talking to me. Yeah, there would always be the thing where it says something that indicates to you that there's some, like, some magic real. afoot. Yeah. It's not like, just, hello, insert gender of person here. Yeah, yeah. I'm the guy who's in the jail for some reason. Yeah. Right, right. I still never figured out what magic they were using. I, I think assume... it was just a guy who stood behind you while you were looking at it and he spoke into a microphone. I assume it was uh, some affiliation with the dark arts. Yeah, or that. Um, when you went to the Calico uh, Ghost Town, did you also go to the graveyard and stand on the grave where you could uh, feel the beating heart? I think you did. Yeah. Like these are some of the that the is also who... very historical. Yeah, that was a thing that happened to a lot of people, people in California. You're getting buried alive <laughs> buried all alive. the time. Well, that actually might have been true because that was just kind of true everywhere. Because it's hard to tell who was in a coma and who yeah, was all the you... way dead before. <laughs> what are you going to do? Wait and find out? Let's just bury him. Let's <laughs> just get out of here. Uh yeah, because cause if you if you guess wrong and they are dead, then then they're just spreading all their diseases everywhere. So just okay. it's better to just bury people alive. So I'm gonna see if I can name a couple of other things mm-hmm. that seem to me like they would be historically based, and therefore you would be doing those things while mm-hmm. you were there. Yeah. Um. Bigfoot Rapids. Obviously, you're gonna go on that because oh. Bigfoot is a very historical figure, and I believe. We could argue that there that he may hang out in Northern California. Yeah, well, in addition to your Cascadia regions, uh, Bigfoot Rapids. I want to say opened up in '88, so it wasn't going to be a staple for a lot of the early field trips. Uh, okay. Also, the liability of wet kids on the bus, but the the historic accuracy of 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 the Sasquatch. Um, this can't be questioned, right? It would Obviously. have been great. Okay. So what what they do is they have you, they give you a pamphlet about Sasquatch. Oh, okay, like, do you get a picture taken with a life size? No, no, that would be too fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was there. You just couldn't stand next right. to it. Right, like get away from the Sasquatch, children. Okay, so how about Camp Snoopy, which was uh, peanuts mm-hmm. drawn by Charles Schultz, who's mm-hmm. from California? Mm, that well actually that probably would have been a little bit better of a representation of california history and culture but no not better not better than sasquatch but still pretty good right that's for babies stay out of baby land um let me think then oh the uh the mystery house might have done the mystery house because everyone knows that gravity doesn't work quite right in california that's right slash something something old timey something it was relatively old timey in style because it was meant to be like really leaning in on that gold rush theme. Yeah. I think in that, that area, that might you know I think a lot of it was just the logistics of like what can we get fifty fourth graders in and out of uh, without yeah. it being a whole thing without having it turn out that we left one of the fourth graders on San on, Nicolas Island. Yeah. <laughs> so so the log ride, I think that it was it was like eligible if there was time, but there was never time. Yeah, and that that is very sketchy to me because one of the few attractions at Knott's Berry Farm that I feel like I have a pretty good handle of what was in it is the log ride. And there was nothing about that that was California specific except that it was also kind of gold rushy. Yeah, like kind of gold rushy, but weren't they like loggers and not so much miners? Yes. Yes. It was definitely a logging operation, but it was during the time that people needed logs for gold. Ah, purposes. the old like, gold logs. If I don't have this log cut up the way that I need it, I'm not going to be able to find my gold. For sure. Right. Right. And then across the way from the log ride, which I know has a name and I can't remember what it was. I think it's the Calico, it's the Calico something. Calico log 
jam. Well, no, isn't what what I'm referring to is across the way is the Calico Mine Train, right? I think that whole area might just be called the Calico. It's all Calico. Mm -hmm. It's just Calico all the way down. Calico all the way down. All right, so that's the other one that is also vaguely gold rushy. Yeah, we might have done Calico Mine Train, and I remember getting all excited about it because, like, oh shit, it's like Big Thunder Mountain. No, it is slow. It is a slow moving train it ride. It is a slow moving. I feel like, and and again, I get this now kind of twisted with my experiences at Not Scary Farm, where the same attractions are slightly rethemed <laughs> to be spooky. To be spooky, and then people will like hide out and jump out at you while they're wearing yeah, a mask. Yeah, I hate that. So I'm trying to remember what else happens on the calico mine train that doesn't involve a guy in a mask jumping out at you it's like um uh stalagmites and stalactites yeah and is there an element where you end up in an underground uh lava cave of some sort i don't think it's lava i think it's just making stalagmites and stalactites okay it's just dripping dripping water a lot of drips a lot of drips a lot of minerals um so it never you spend the entire ride waiting for something to happen. And nothing ever does. And then nothing ever does. You just go through these caves that all kind of look the same, and then you get out of the train, and you say, and you're oh, like, well, that must have been educational because it was boring as I fast. learned something about caves. Yeah. So there, so as a kid, it looks like it's going to be Big Thunder Mountain on the outside. You can get really excited. Now, the, the inverse of this is as an adult, you go to Big Thunder Mountain, and you think it's going to, look, going to be just like the easy uh, Calico Mine Train. So also around fourth grade i went on a a family trip to disneyland and me my mom my brother and and my grandma my dad's mom were all queued up for big thunder mountain and my mom was telling my grandma no don't worry joanne it's all it's just a really slow you know it's just a slow dumb ride through some fucking caves nothing you know it's not fast it's not scary it's not anything and my brother and i were like tee hee hee because we thought that we were all like collectively you thought, pranking you thought grandma. It was a goof. we thought it was a goof it was not a goof my mom had gotten them mixed up and as soon as you know they put the bar down the guy's like well hold on to your hats and glasses because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness my grandma's like what what and she like grabs onto her glasses and we just like shoot off and it was uh, uh like cartoony and still fairly amazing. Um, my mom was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I thought that was slow. <laughs> my, my brother and I were like, uh, no, you're thinking of the stupid ride at Knott's Berry Farm. This is the good well, one. If I may add another layer to that particular onion, your mom could also have been thinking of the ride that predated Big Thunder Mountain, mm. Mine Train Through Nature's Wonderland. Maybe. Which uh, had a station at exactly the same place that the Big Thunder Mountain station yeah. is. In I fact, think- the 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 town scene yeah that along the back side with the dinosaur bones and whatnot that was all there i love that whole part yeah that was all part of the mine train through nature's wonderland where you would then take a mine train ride very slowly through an old-timey old west town back through the old the old-timey uh, area that um i want to say it was 1977 that big thunder mountain replaced that oh i went how just over the, the lifetime of Big Thunder Mountain, how many people th- have thought they were getting in line for a for a meandering trip through uh, Americana? It's a fair question. I feel like the number's gone down every year since 1977, right? and then ended up on the ride that can actually and has literally killed people. Yeah. Um, the other question that I have is that unlike the Calico Mine Train where there's a station and then the train immediately goes into a cave and you don't see what goes on on the ride until they come back out the other side, most of Big Thunder Mountain is open air. Yeah. And so you definitely hear trains go whooshing by and people screaming, well, we're having fun on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. All the while that you're in line. Well... If you don't go to that little bridge on the side where you can see them whoosh by, or if you think that's unaffiliated, um, the way the queue... Oh, that must be a different mind train. Yeah, maybe. Well, the way the queue is, when really all you see is is people coming up by the dinosaurs, or the dinosaur bones, in through the little calico, not calico, the little mind train through nature's wonderland scene, and pulling up fairly slowly to the station, and then mm. you see it leaving, you know, medium speed. 
And so if you think that that's as fast so as it gets. So if you average out those two speeds, you're like, this doesn't seem it's too fine. bad. It might, maybe it speeds up by the dinosaur bones, but like Joanne can handle that. Yeah. You don't, you don't know that it's a, it's the wildest ride in the wilderness until you get on it. Uh, and, and I bring all of this up just to say that I feel like you and your brother would have been very much justified in thinking it was a goof. <laughs> Even if you had never been on the ride yourself, just to observe the situation of what's going on around you. Like, why are people having to make sure that they're a certain height to get on this? Who's doing all that screaming? Mm-hmm. Why do I hear air brakes going off right before that train pulls into the station? Yeah. Yeah. There are more than a few context clues. There are, but if you're not really paying attention, if you're just talking to each other and standing in a line. And the next thing you know. Next thing you know, you're your holding hats on and your glasses. hats and glasses, then, then grandma is pissed. And it's great. It's a it's a valuable memory. You should <laughs> uh, ask Joanne if uh, she has anything she wants to say about that uh-huh. as, as follow-up. T- tell me your thoughts on the Big Thunder. How mad or... are you that that happened are you still to this very day? Yeah. Um, so with, with, with the knots scenario, um, basically it all, it, it all kind of sucked. Like it was better than staying at school barely, but But not as good. That's a low bar to set for an elementary school kid. Yeah. But it wasn't as good as actually going to Knott's Berry Farm because I think it was just like a lot of standing on grassy areas waiting for the education programs coordinator to arrive mm-hmm. having some clipboards i do remember i liked panning for gold i learned how to actually do that um but uh yeah walter not was was super duper 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 conservative and and so i think it was in like the 60s Knott's Berry farm became wait you're here to tell me that <clears throat> A businessman from Orange County was conservative. I know, weird, right? Never would have thought. Um, so I was reading up a little bit right before this, and and uh, it was the '60s that Knott's Berry Farm kind of like solidified its place as um, popular, I guess, as a as a destination. And it was more all than this... a place you'd go for boysenberry jam. More than and the boysenberry jam. Not, uh, chicken stand because yeah because it really like tapped into you know in, in the upheaval of the 60s is like oh let's go visit the way we never were like oh remember good old-fashioned american values and when you got to look at facsimiles of the declaration of independence all day and there were no people of color anywhere <laughs> like that's that's what we want and so there was there was still uh even though by the time I was going on uh, as a fourth grader, you know, it, it, it had been a little bit secularized, but it was still, uh, you know, I went mostly to, to private Christian schools. So there, it was still a lot of like Easter eggs, like here's the Bible verse underneath the flagpole. Come on over kids. Let's read the Bible verse underneath the flagpole on this trip to yeah. Knott's Berry Farm. Um we won't go see the see the the melodramas at the at the bird cage theater or something like that because you know those might be sinful <laughs> well sure melodrama is one of the prime sins yeah did uh i have one last question about the offerings at knott's berry farm when you went in on your fourth grade field trip was this during the time that they had that spirit lodge show no, that wasn't until... That came later. That's when they were trying to be woke, but did it poorly. Yeah, see, that's the thing that really strikes me as being problematic, beyond all of the 1960s sensibilities that Knott's Berry Farm had. It, you'd be like, well, you know, they don't update a lot. But when they did update, they brought in a, I don't think, actual Native American. Oh, no, it was my friend Julie from uh, Cal State Long Beach. Okay, perfect. Yeah, she was blonde, but you know. But they gave her a wig, right? Well, it was like a silhouette. So, oh, oh know, yeah. It was one of those like shadow. Sure. So you things. Know, look, we're not gonna we're not gonna dye your hair, or give you a wig. You no, know, we're no, operating no. on a budget here. Get yeah. Behind, get behind this shim. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, misguided. Um. <laughs> one thing I did really like about it, I don't think this was ever part of the field trip curriculum. But they had they had the big steam train, and you'd go ride the big steam train, uh, not very far through mm-hmm. the park, and then there would be a there'd be a robbery, and uh, 
I remember when I was young, maybe again about the fourth. I feel like I just must have spent all of fourth grade at Knott's Berry Farm. Now that I, well, you had one reflect. very eventful day yeah. at Knott's Berry Farm yeah, as like, a fourth grader. Yeah, maybe after I was done with the field trip, they handed me off to my parents, and then we went and had like a family day. I'm yeah, not and sure. And your parents had just finished a six pack of Coke, so <laughs> right. So we all got in for hey, a look, it's four o'clock. Um, so they let's do go the, in there. They do the thing where the old timey robbers come through and do the the stick up, like this is a train robbery. And uh, and and the the robber asked me like, hey, you you have any money? And I was like, oh, I I I have seven dollars because the tooth fairy had just come. Like I I only have I have I have seven dollars. And he's like, well, it's seven dollars more than I have, which I was charmed by. And then uh, then I get to Cal State Long Beach. Turned out the dude who was uh, uh, playing that train robber uh, turned out to be my writing for theater professor. Uh, fast forward uh however many years um and he was recently on jeopardy and that was his little fun fact and it all came came back to me he's like yeah i used to i used to be the train robber at uh not spare like, that's right you were gonna take my seven dollars but then you didn't yeah i guess he has more than seven dollars now that he's a fancy jeopardy contestant and, i don't think he and, won but well, I, think they, I don't think they give you the parting prizes anymore they just give you some money oh okay that's good he's also a a, a and reputable a, and he's a professor at a college so he he's an adjunct oh so, so he, no. he still doesn't have seven dollars he doesn't out. have well not from that but he he does write a, a series of crime books about long beach his name is tyler diltz he writes uh he wrote oh the pain scale and one that might be called cold and broken hallelujah and then something else. Anyway, he writes. Well, I'll tell you what. California you can, crime novels. You can look this up and put it in the show notes. Okay. If he has money, it's because he wrote those books about murder. Yeah, and I mean, you got seven bucks a pop off a train full of kids. You're doing okay. Ah, oh, I got to keep my seven dollars. Oh, it was just a show. It was just for a a, a goof. Anyway, that's what I learned about California in fourth grade at Knott's Berry Farm. At Knott's Berry Farm. Slash Disneyland. Slash. Mm, those are all the slash places. Slash the Orange County Fair. Oh, I might have learned about it. California history there. California's history of piglet raising and mermaid sharks. Yeah, I don't think the fair in particular gets into a lot of historical teachings, but you do learn a lot about the present. <laughs> yeah both things who, who does the best preserves right who bakes the best cookies mm -hmm. who are the people that i share this county with how come i never see them anywhere other than here yeah. at the orange county fair that's, that's an episode that's for an another episode. day yeah well you have anything you want to you want to add about your uh, fourth grade learnings no i feel like we have covered everything that i remember about my fourth grade learnings about california and then some Save for the model of a California mission. Mm -hmm. We touched on that last time, which didn't we? we we have referenced before. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't feel like mine. we. I made mine. I don't think I did the sugar cubes version because that seemed like an awful lot of detail like work for a four-year-old, not four-year-old, four fourth yeah. grader. Also ants. Yeah. So I think that we did. Uh, which was very popular at the time when I was in fourth grade. I don't know if this is still true, where you make a, a like a Play-Doh kind of yeah, setup, yeah, but yeah. you make it yourself out of flour and water and a lot of salt, I think. It's a lot of salt. Yeah, because the salt is what makes it dry out and get really hard and, mm -hmm. and basically like a plaster, but it's a plaster that's made entirely out of edible stuff. Okay. Which is good, because if you've got younger siblings, like we both had, and they come in and they try to eat your homework. Yeah, so I, uh, death. in fourth grade, I think I, I busted out that particular technique twice. Once for <laughs> my mission. Volcano? Once for a unit on geography, where you had to create a oh. landmass that featured various geographical things, like you had to have a peninsula. Mm-hmm. You had to have a bay. Mm -hmm. There had to be an island on it, all that kind of stuff. So, like, you took a piece of fiberboard. You put the dough on there and you kind of made the thing and then you painted it later. You know, I was just, I was thinking back on fourth grade, in addition to changing schools four times, that was also the year that I had chicken pox. I'm like, that was the summer. Why did I get chicken pox that summer? My brother came home from a trip with friends to Knott's Berry Farm and uh, came home with a fever and a bunch of chicken pox. So... 
Well, I'll it tell you what. It just all comes back to it. That brings the whole thing full circle. <laughs> and that seems like as good a place to end as any. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Yeah, thanks for listening to the podcast and uh, subscribing. Oh, uh, another thing that you can do as a listener, it really helps out if you go in and rate the podcast on iTunes. Rate it highly. Yeah. Give it five. Look, don't be a dick, okay? <laughs> if you're going to rate it, rate it five stars, all right? Don't be like, well, I think they deserve four stars or because like three. it's not as good as cereal. <laughs> like, I just feel really passionately about coming in there and giving them a medium rating. Yeah. If you want to give us one star, that's, I mean, I don't like that no, as much. No, if you want to give us one star, get the hell out of here. Stop listening to the podcast. Well, this yeah. is free. It's That's true. But if you do, like, please leave comments so that people can see. It's like, you know, those one-star reviews of, of classic novels on Amazon. Like, yeah. I just, just really get if, into yeah, it. If you want to give us one star because we shit all over Knott's Berry Farm or something like that. <laughs> like my mother, I, Cordelia Knott's. They lied so about the historical authenticity of Bigfoot Rapids, <laughs> and that really stuck in my craw. The Spirit Lodge. We put in four days of research on that. It was very hard, very hard. We would have done five days, but that so was a holiday week, and we didn't work on Monday. Also, the girl who played the Indian had brown hair, light brown hair. It wasn't really blonde. We checked first. <laughs> anyway, please write that all down in your review. Yes, thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Evening breeze seems to say, time to be on your way. Down where the sun goes down And if you're late, she will wait Right beside the garden gate Down where the sun goes down Just you erase from your face That old frown For there'll be smiles To welcome you